Hi everyone, what's up? Welcome to Ground Report, New York City to Monaco. I've been thinking how to step it up or step up and think about how we can finally land in New York because as a philosopher and kind of mega hermeneute, I keep on thinking of all the pre-givens and premises and trip-ups that we could have before we even presume to land this baby in New York. Just as I spent hours and years thinking, thanks to Jean-Luc Nancy, what it meant when Heidegger said, in der Welt sein, where is the in of the being in the world or on the world or with the world? Where is the mit of mit sein, of being with the other? And is the with also, as Derrida pointed out, part of a thinking of the without, which is very peculiar to the English language, that in order to be without something or someone, one is in the first place linguistically tagged to the with of the without. So I've been thinking about house hunting, housing projects, all sorts of relations that we continue to entertain with the house designs, the house of being, which is language, but also a house. What, what are our relations to the possibility of housing comfortably when, among quite a few others, big guns, major hitters, we've been trained and taught that we are, let's say, confiscated in being not at home. Our being is being not at home. We're not at home or at the very least, as we've interrogated the in of in the world, not to mention the shattering worlds that we've jammed on. Where is the at of the at home when we're not at home in this world? So these are questions that uh, stall us appall us, exalt us, call us, and stand us up in certain ways. And I would have wanted to consider with you the different types of, of being at home or not at home, especially given yet another wave of confinement for our friends in Italy and France that is looming wickedly over there daily destinies, um, a seizing up of, of spaces and contracting of spaces and assigning them back to their homeroom in certain types of households that still require interrogation that make one think and stink and wonder where we are, what are our bearings and how do we um, consider different modalities of adjusting 
to the uninhabitable and the uninhabitable that we must somehow, at least as a flex of will to fiction, contend with. So there's nesting, there's squatting, there's different kinds of spooky local channels that we're confined to and restricted by. And um, what happens in pre-pandemic memories to the extent that we're not already producing false memories and secondary revisions, there's all sorts of um, ways that we were able to scram and leave the house and run away and return to those fantasies and, and practices of runaway teens. So one of the questions is how we have dealt with giving up and relinquishing certain mobilities and stabilities that we associate at least in fantasy with being at home, having a home in, in Kantian vocabularies, he considered also the homeliness of home. In English, homely is, is um, ugly, the ugliness. Um, but I bring up Kant certainly because of his work on cosmopolitanism. And if we had time, we'd also go to Fichte and his universal patriotism, where patriotism means a universal reach of, of um, thinking and scientific openness to all sorts of trials and tryouts in terms of our mitzine, a term that he didn't yet capture or, or wish for, or but yet he might have dreamed of this. So in Kant, you know, if you're to extend hospitality, and that's part of a thinking of household and invite someone in or at or to your place. And now we even have to think of the uprootedness of place and how we can place the place. Or in German, it, it um, as you know already, it, it uh, it promotes itself as an Erörterung site, a place for commentary um, to take place, what it means to take place or, or to look at the way we place things together or how they're out of place or fall into place for how long and how strong. So thinking of hospitality, one of the things that um, I've relinquished, but for a very long time, it's part of being a solitary walker, Rousseau style and, and setting up house as though it were a studio and a writing cell and um, completely uh, rigged toward writing and um, its exigencies, but in my imaginaire and a past life, at least one or two past lives, I used to enjoy offering hospitality. I used to enjoy cooking. I still do, but um, 
it's a different kind of activity now. It's more medicalized. It's more uh, nutrition-based and health um, frenetic. So there's something different about my rapport to food um, and what it means to have a good feed also intellectually or in the sense of Melanie Klein. But I remember always entertaining the um, sliding doors fiction. Like if I had another life, I would want it to be full of abundance in terms of hospitality and offering space to others to join me that I could feed and cook for others and, and somehow what we call in English entertain in a way that's still borrowed and drew from the tradition of the salon where you would speak, where you would take pleasure in interlocution and listening and gesprächs, conversation. So Kant points out that in order to offer hospitality truly, you have to have a place. You have to, I guess, as Derrida, uh, when he put on his shit detectors found uh, what that meant is that you have to have property in order to distribute, share, give it away, at least temporarily lease it out when you invite people in. So can one show hospitality to that which we don't own or have or a space that doesn't somehow come with a deed um, and a mortgage and so on and so forth. So what do you have to have in order to give um, something like hospitality and what are the preconditions for that? Now that we're more or less under lockdown um, requisitions, it's difficult to, um, to offer something that is also, and maybe always was, because I have a friend who considers every invitation an aggression, something that, um, that is risky. And to invite people over is also to ask them to, um, to throw caution to the winds in some ways. So let's think about um, how we're at home, not at home, uprooted and um, deprived of offering or receiving hospitality and what that does to a larger disposition sociality, uh, sense of other and self, and all the identities that get built up, if only fleetingly and provisionally, when you have people over. So I was thinking in terms of, of home and how that gets um, constructed and deconstructed um, in all sorts of discursive um, containments, how we, how we still um, appreciate or depreciate being at home, being not at home. You remember that Deleuze hitching a ride with Nietzsche promoted nomad uh, kind of freeing up the nomadic uh, trek. There's all sorts of um, 
you know, treks coming up from the Grateful Dead, even the um, trucking and what it means to keep on trucking. All of this has to do with getting away from home, being a teenage runaway somewhere in your consciousness or unconscious um, repertoire of behaviors and misdeeds, or um, somehow attaching to a home, or being also um, afraid to leave a home, the agoraphobic uh, kinds of restrictions that we more and more share as uh, technologies tie us down and keep us in out. It's not clear which should dominate. Are we inside or outside when we're zombies and zooming around? So I realized among other things, and um, in addition to Heideggerian um, homeland insecurities and, and establishments and unsettlement and settlement, and also, of course, Heidegger's big 1934 and around there, um, errors of, of what he called his most stupid, dumbest um, adherence to, to a homeland, a fatherland, and his Nazifications. In addition to all of the um, trip ups and, and distress that fantasies and nationalized generalizations and, and exaltations of home and Heimat have uh, procured and produced. You know, I was thinking about how Freud picked up some conceptual props for his own version of homing in on and honing in on America from his experience when he imported to his thinking. And this is something that we um, sketched in another context because it's kind of fascinating to me. And so I'm on repetition compulsion sometimes. I hope that's okay with you. And sometimes it's a good pedagogical flaw to repeat a few things, to have them recircuit and do their eternal return of the same, which is not the identical. Sometimes when you repeat something, it has an entirely different valence and a different way of imposing and establishing its hidden qualities. So I'm hitching a ride with Freud and thinking about how his experience of America led him to import to his thinking, the figure of oversized trucks. So he was trucking in a different way and he was fascinated, not only by the way Americans flirt and flit and flutter, as we said last time, and libidinally graze and pick up and leave again, but also the way that they transported or are transporting their homes and the whole mechanism that rigs mobile homes, motoring RVs of the unconscious to describe, he uses this to describe displacement, moving around in the case of obsessional neurosis. So how we pick up and displace certain symptoms. 
and also recruit what he calls, in the case of Dora, um, somatic compliance. Sometimes our, our pain, our suffering um, points out and brings up, retrieves a place in your whole or organic system that gets pained or breaks out in illness somehow or hives or other semiotics and inscriptions of, of distress. So Freud was able to hitch a ride himself on the way Americans transport homes and, and use that toward an explanation of the displacement of, of symptoms, of how they move around, how we carry them to different parts of our body or bodies. So how American move their homes how Americans move their homes shows them capable of dislocating and rearranging particular topologies of meta-psychological import. There's, there's um, something very fluid and um, go with the flowish that um, even in the biggest stagnation, Yankee ingenuity um, applies to itself as it becomes more and more mobile and mobilized, fixated on different vehicles, carriers, drivers, and drives. It's used, all of this is used to affirm the deracinating grid of unruly self-exposure, a move that actually troubles European tropes of rootedness uh, that some American sectors have adopted in the meanwhile. So Americans um, are shown to be on the move, which has, if we switch on the Nietzschean machine of, of transvaluation, that depending where you're coming from or how you're looking at things and evaluating them precisely, that could be tired, pessimistic, or Christian, says Nietzsche, or it could be life affirming and um, vitalizing that people can up and move so easily in America and also um, break off from familialisms and uh, leave their family households or homes or, or where they grew up. This is very, um, very ponderous and, and surprising. Certainly our film culture indicates as much. So Freud isn't so severe about this. He's just um, with his great spaciousness, fascinated and of course able to appropriate it for his own uh, theoretical um, needs. So he shows tenderness toward the American invention of the flirt, as I've said, and also for our um, ability to, to um, produce a rhythm of superficiality and moving along, getting over things, moving on, even though sometimes that, as Derrida has pointed out, can be diluted. We can't always truly move on and how do we know that we've moved on? Uh, we might fool ourselves into thinking we've 
accomplish certain affirming displacements, which might be a sign of, of even a greater regression or cover-up plot. So Americans, this, this reflects to us, I bring this up because it reflects to us a kind of type that Americans seem to um, hold and, and um, reveal. And we might contemplate this as a type, Amer seeing Americans as a type consi that consists of those uprooters precisely who can up and leave on a dime. They can queue up departures, unstick themselves or scram, fleeing a crime scene. They can go anonymous, relinquishing the privilege accorded to some crucial tropologies of the stay-at-home nationhood. So if we were to um, generalize and expand on this, what does it mean about a nation that it can't stay at home or doesn't or has a different kind of relation to home and where that could be fixed also theoretically. Nietzsche for his part and short end of the stick was watching the extreme mobility that characterizes Americans offering his approbation to the mobility he savored, the dream of blowing up a station in life, whether by burden, necessity, or whim, or writing. Sometimes you have to scram and get out of there because you're really pushed out or, or crowded out or oppressed in serious ways. But sometimes it's a caprice and, and a freedom, so to speak. So, the way Americans go for, for broke by a switch up in identity and the ability to show disdain for false sovereignties, substance or ground, whether or not they're groomed by persecution or decision to be what Derrida reminded us is a Murano, which is someone who secretly harbors one identity while playing off dominant trends. Uh, a Morano is uh, uh, a Jewish person who, who pretends she's Christian in order to fit in and, and stop taking a beating for a while. This is something that Derrida brought up and, and identified with in, in very creative ways. Mark Goldschmidt wrote a book on the Murano as a Derridian, uh, let's say, cipher. And um, we want to think how many times in our different aspects existentially stamped and promoted, do we have to duck and pretend we're something we're not? The only problem with that is that it might tip over to some kind of essentialism as though we were something essentially that we're hiding or covering up and that could be revealed. I think Nietzsche is, is um, going for the exchange of masks and the will to power or the will to fiction that has you adding on um, quasi or provisional or playful identities, wearing masks in all sorts of different uh, 
ways without um, sticking to the stagnation of a presumed identity. For Nietzsche, um, let's say so-called solid and consolidated identities tend to uh, stem from fear. You're fearful of something, so you, you grow an identity that is almost a manic defense, one could say. But of course, then it gets complicated because for Melanie Klein, breaking up identities frequently means that you never really interjected a good object that you could attach to. But this isn't her language, but it's, it's updated a little, maybe, unfortunately. You, um, you might have an attachment disorder, so you detach from every possible fake ID that you've produced, an ID that you've um, kind of hallucinated in order to uh, reattach consistently, but inconsistently as well to all sorts of possible identities. So there I would uh, want to convene a colloquium around Melanie and ask her if she's so sure that um, having uh, a consolidated identity is a sign of, of health or, and have Nietzsche be the respondent and, and continue his thought of the fearsome and fearful origins of nailing an identity and sticking with it. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. That's my identity. So uh, these are questions that uh, the little housing project that I bring to your attention ought to contain and we can open some windows on this and breathe the air of very different perspectives on what it means to have a home or be at home or not at home in a country or nation state that, that has all sorts of um, violent um, attacks in its history that have been sublimated to other forms of behaviors and governance, but that have attacked the homes or teepees or, or created detention centers, penitentiary cultures that we've discussed abundantly and never enough. What it means that a country, and many do, others, others go out of their domestic territories to, to break up homes and households and colonize. So um, we, we really do want to consider some of the um, implications, political and, and geo-expansive um, imperialist of finding a home, breaking up a home, being a home wrecker even, and um, the fantasies of being at home or not at home as we are confined to something like, uh, in some ways, a shanty town. Of course, that's preposterous to say some people are confined in very, very uh, sumptuous spaces and get to roam around and frolic and romp like really happy puppies. 
Others are locked into very small spaces, but everyone now is um, kind of leaning into a certain emptiness regardless of the spacious, um, let's say parameters of something like a home base. So let me just point out that Nietzsche, the champ of moving on, getting over oneself, even as he was chained to, his, um, to the whims of his pernicious sister, Elisabeth Förster Nietzsche, who, who had him propped up in the, in the Goethe house, in Goethe's, uh, one of Goethe's libraries, um, when she had those famous photographs taken of him and his big mustache. So that was um, a kind of museum of a museum. And I'm thinking of homes as museums. What happens when a home gets turned into a museum as happens mostly in Europe. And this is the one of the subjects of a wonderful work by Susan Bernstein on housing and what it means to um, have also even fixated on the Heidegger Hütte, the Heidegger cottage or hut um, where writing and thinking get done somehow. So um, this was a real fast um, virtual <laughs> visit with some of the possible conceptual um, traps and trappings of a home and what it means to be stuck, stagnant, or freed up in one's solitude, or just kind of slumped over as Nietzsche was in the home of Goethe, or one of Goethe's uh, emblematic spaces that bore his name. Um, so I, um, hope that we can continue this discussion as we try to find some sense of home between and with Monaco and New York and their improbable rendezvous, which offers so much um, to think about and prompts us to wonder where we are and where you're at. Listen, take care, be careful. Uh, let's try to expand our sense of, of being at home, being not at home, and retain the energy of the run runaway teen as we experience our quarantine age. Take care. Bye-bye.